Hello, my name is Joe Bakmutsky, and I want to welcome you to Power to Be Happy, where we talk about the necessity of healing from trauma and living a happier, more fulfilled life. Today, I have the honor of talking to Richard Hall, who is a counseling psychologist here in Melbourne, who helps people through counseling and psychodrama. And today, we're going to dive deep into psychodrama, some of the unique ways that it can help us to really see ourselves in a different light and also explore new ways and new possibilities to find your own way to move forward, to live the life that you want, despite difficult experiences that you might have had. So, Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> Richard, let's start at the top. I want to ask you, you've seen you've seen trauma uh, in your practice. Uh, how would you define it, given everything that you know today? Well, I think um, what, what I think trauma does is I think it takes us away from our authentic self. So when, when uh, people have a, a traumatic experience um, or there's um, um, trauma in the family system or it's generational trauma, it stops people from being or becoming who they're meant to be. So we're in the we're in the we're in the field of actually wanting to develop adult human beings. We want people to become adult. And what it does is it it cuts across in some ways. It cuts across um, the developmental. Um, areas that people usually go through in terms of you know infancy childhood adolescence and then into adulthood and as we know you know particularly with say men you know that uh, the brain develops and it's only about 26 or 27 that actually that the um, cognitive faculty or the brain is fully developed and I think it's probably a little bit a bit bit earlier for for women. So, um, when when you have a traumatic event, um, how do you sort of work through that process of dealing with it so you can continue on your developmental path? So, um, and really, um, the the fact is that. Uh, you want to come to the truth of the matter. So no matter how terrible the truth is, when people get to know what the truth of the matter is, they can come to grips with it rather than um, fantasising about what it is. So um, um, you know, people tell their stories and so their stories have to be heard. And the stories are very, very important because then, then you can sort of take stock and move on. But unfortunately, people get stuck, and uh, they need uh, they need a sort of a um, 
an empathic uh, ear of someone who is well-trained to help them do that. So, for example, um, the most important thing is the relationship. So when you sent your email to me, I sort of didn't warm up very much to it. And then I started reading it again. And then I, you know, realised what you had, what you'd been doing. And then I warmed up to you. And I was very interested in you, Joe. I thought, oh, I can't quite like this guy. So there's a there was a sort of a natural, natural, as um, we'd call it, taily, or the positive feeling that I have towards you before I meet you. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you had sort of heard a few things about me, and then you got interested in me. So that that ability to develop a positive, positive taily or connection with the other is um, a foundation thing if someone's going to sort of work through trauma with somebody else. Because in the end, you know, like some people who have had traumatic situations, they won't want to connect up with people. They'll be quite suspicious of people. You know, who is this person they're dealing with? So... So the healthiest, um, the healthiest script is sort of "I'm okay, you're okay." That I'm I'm okay and you're okay, and then all the the different aspects of that need to be sort of assisted so that eventually you can get to that point. Um, anyway, but I think I think that area of trauma. Um, uh, how do we how do we process it? And how do we sort of work through it, and um, uh, becomes much more complicated when you, you're coming, when you're dealing with people who have come from families that are not very healthy. So you know, um, if you've had a very good mum and dad, you're very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one hundred percent, Richard. It's so um, it's you know having having the right environment around you that is nurturing and supportive you know that's often you know that's often difficult to find uh, for so many of us so i'm really glad that you brought it up and you touched on so many important points you talked about trust and how sometimes it's so difficult to trust in people again but also trust in yourself right because we we lose that or maybe not even ever build up that belief and in who we are. And I think sometimes it really gets in the way of, you know, building those connections or even making that step towards seeking therapy, towards seeking support, towards getting help. Um, And I think it's so vital, Richard, to really have that belief in the possibility of healing, of not thinking that, you know, I'm broken, nothing is going to change. How do we give that that hope to someone who might well, be going through a challenging time. Well, I think I think there's a number of things that you've raised, but um, I think um, if you meet a person who's themselves and that they've they've done the work and they become themselves, they will call forth the the that impulse in the other, and. Um, one of my teachers called it the sleeping giant, that actually the self or the selfhood can be awakened in the other by 
someone who's very stable and um, um, is uh, compassionate and um, able to be with them. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people I've seen, a lot of homeless people I've seen, and a lot of people who have been very traumatic, I usually say to them, look, you trust me as much as I earn. And they like mm-hmm. that because usually a lot of homeless people are highly intelligent people who have been traumatised and <clears throat> and they like that, you know, that actually um, don't, don't trust me because of my title or don't trust me because uh, you've come to my office, um, but trust me, watch experience. And so in the very early parts of me seeing someone, I'm wanting people to trust their experience watch your experience <clears throat> and because what we're trying to do we're trying to give people a corrective emotional experience and the corrective emotional experience is that that actually they speak and there's someone there that listens and um and in, and is empathic to them which is very like You've got a mum who listens to the little the little girl or little boy who comes to mummy and they've hurt their knee and they come to mummy and mummy embraces them and uh, say, what's happened? And, you know, the, the little child cries and um, and mummy's with them and then, you know, they wipe their eyes and off they go out into the world. So that idea that they, they go out into the world and when the world's not too... Um, uh, not so safe, they come back to mum and mummy and daddy and they come back and uh, they put their arms around them and they sort of take care of them and then and then when they're settled again, out they go again. So that beautiful idea of in and out, you know, that that sort of thing. And um, and I think that's, uh, and I mean, what, um, what Dr. Marino, who developed psychodrama, suggested was that you have your social atom, so you have original family system and in in um, therapy or in group therapy, which psychodrama is, sometimes we re- revisit that family. We revisit that family system. And then Marina had this idea that um, that you've got a social atom, and he said your social atom is the relationship networks that you have, and you can usually. You could write them down. What was your social atom like at seven? What was it like at 14? What's it like at 21? What's it like now? And that social atom is the relationship networks. And very quickly, you can see whether somebody is um, very, very isolated in their social atom or whether um, whether it's populated with a lot of people. And of course, what happens during life? People move out of your social atom and then you've got to repopulate it again. So that's the thing that's dropped off. People aren't repopulating their social atom. People are very isolated because, you know, mum and dad are mum and dad are working, they're trying to pay the mortgage off. Life is very, very busy. And um and um some of the things that have worked um in sort of our neighborhoods and 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 in our, you know, sort of local areas are sort of not we're not we're not using that those sort of things like we have before. So very, very quickly, that social atom is uh, sort of the people that can help you live your life. And in a psychodrama, 
um, if I sort of can explain that, is that um, um, so in a psychodrama, you'll have a group of people and they'll be around in a half circle and we call them the audience. And then we have a space which is called the stage. And on the stage, we can project, we can put onto the stage a whole lot of things, stories about our lives. So the leader of the group is called the director and the director will direct somebody that's in the group to tell a story. And usually the story is related to everybody else in the group. And so they're called the protagonist. So there's the protagonist and then there's the director who's going to sell, uh, um, uh, assist them to do their drama. Now, very quickly, the director is the champion for the protagonist. So suddenly, like that mother-child relationship, here they are, they've got a, a person who's their champion. And so very quickly... Um, we call that that's going to help repair repair the um maybe the broken relationships from the past and then the person will go about working out a purpose for the drama and uh so so they're interviewed to to do um a piece of work and what what happens then eventually once you've actually worked out what what the actual particular drama is the person will um, create a scene on the stage and in the scene on the stage, so it might be, look, I, uh, I remember this scene of um, my family at the dining room table. Okay, all right, let's set up that scene. Let's set up the dining room table and let's put the people in the scene. So set up the physical aspects of it and let's set up the dining room table and everybody there so what happens is the person starts to warm up so it's not a sort of a memory test but actually in coming to the scene in the present um they start to warm up to the scene now and then we populate it okay well who's here oh well my two brothers are here okay choose someone from the group to be the brothers so two people from the group become the auxiliaries in the drama and then they sit in the chairs of the brothers and then, oh, well, mum's here. Choose someone to be mum. Choose someone to be dad. And so suddenly we've got the scene already set. Who starts talking first? My dad. Reverse roles with dad. So the person then becomes the dad and the director interviews the dad. So gets them to be the dad and gets to understand how the dad ticks and then once he's warmed up go ahead say what you say and then suddenly we've got this drama in front of us so the father speaks reverse roles and then the the protagonist the person speaks back or whatever happens now with trauma we're not wanting to repeat repeat the traumatic experience so right at the very very beginning when the director is the champion of the protagonist, social atom repair or the repair of the self is already taking place because it's not the same 
as what happened in the past. We're not going to just repeat the abuse. So um, why I've gone into all that detail is because that social atom which happens in a psychodrama group, we want to replicate in life itself. We want people to have, people need to develop a social atom that helps them live their life because we can't do it on our own. And so teaching people to watch experience um, in the moment, uh, what's this like being here, you know, the the ability to teach someone to reflect on, um, for example, their experience with, say, a counsellor, you know, and what happens is after that, say, for example, if someone's doing one-to-one counselling and they go go away, they're going to reflect and they're going to do work outside the session. And then, and then after that, they come back again. What's your reflections on what's happened? So in some ways, they sort of have they have surgery in the session, and then they've got to go away, and then they've got to sort of have self care. They've got to have around them sort of self care to sort of um, and then and reflect on what's happened. So in a way, um, to be able to stand to create a scene and then to stand back with the director and have a look at the scene is sort of looking from outside it, which to me is a very, very important thing to be able to do. So, so uh, um, one of the things we've done um, in Australia and New Zealand is uh, use role theory as our clinical foundation. The difference, what did the difference between different roles and roles can be progressive roles and roles can be dysfunctional roles. And so the foundation on the building of a person is to, to work with the progressive roles. They're the foundation on which to build. Um, so um, now um, sometimes uh working with someone, um, I'll teach them about roles so that I can talk to them about, oh, this is the particular role you're in or this is a particular role they're in. And um, the challenge will be, can I respond in the moment rather than react? Or can I can I express myself when I never expressed myself at the time? Mm-hmm. So, so I build into it that, and to me, uh, Dr. Marino's work, one of the, the big things um, that he talked about was one aspect of spontaneity was warm up. What do I warm up to? And of course, with someone who's traumatized, if they're traumatized, they're, they're in a coping system, they can't warm up to their abilities. So you could sort of think the traumas in the in the driver's seat and all the abilities of the person are in the background being held in trust. And how do you release those abilities, those, those uh, foundation abilities that somebody's got in them, and so that the, the trauma can go to the background and the and the abilities can be released. So the idea is how how does this get released? So in talking about the psychodrama drama method, 
we're wanting to um, release spontaneity. We're wanting people to be able to sort of uh, call on their uh, all their abilities that they've got and not just get stuck in a coping system where they cope by moving away. So you can move away or you can move towards or you can move against. And so you get caught in this survival system, which a lot of people with trauma, they've lived their whole life in a survival system. So um, um, so anyway, look, it's just, I just find people really interesting and um, I'm just getting good at this now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm fascinated to hear, um, and thank you for giving that real overview of what that section, um, what that session, uh, psychodramatic session might look like and kind of how it's set up and how it works and different roles that we take on. And if, I guess if, I, if I'm hearing you correctly, then, you know, taking on different roles allows you to take on different perspectives and to uh, and to take on different perspective for yourself today as opposed to how things might have been before, but also take on perspectives of people who might have been you know part of your life, part of that social atom perhaps. Um, I mean, is that kind of relate, related to this idea of you know surplus reality of, of, of you know things that might have never happened? Well, um, Moreno's idea was that in the playing of the roles, the self emerges. Mm -hmm. So as you see the different roles, and um, the thing is that um, uh, in a drama, we we uh, bring out a drama of what's happened, and then uh, what actually happens is you go sometimes you go into surplus reality in the drama that never happened at the time for example it might be that the person is all is mute or it might be that um, they were never able to express what they needed to say and so so they go into surplus reality and they express something um uh, that was never said at the time. So there is certainly intervention, psychodramatic interventions that assist us so that someone can warm up to a spontaneity state where they can be free to express themselves fully in the moment, which they couldn't do at that time. And um, um, at the end of, say, a drama where there is some sort of uh, resolution or... Um, um, catharsis of abreaction, whether it's, look, I'm very angry with you or I'm very upset or usually sometimes someone who's very angry with someone else, when they when they get them there, what they do is they just start to cry, even though they imagined that they'd be very angry with them, but they just cry because they're incredibly hurt about what's happened. And so at the end of a drama, the director sits out the front with the protagonist and then we ask the group to share back with the protagonist what the drama was like for them. Not to analyse the drama, but to say, look, when you talk to your mum or when you talk to your boyfriend or whoever it was, 
I had a boyfriend who was like this, blah, 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 blah. So suddenly everybody in the group starts to do their work. And what it does is it helps integrate the protagonist back into the group again. So, so that everybody, everybody shares about what the experience was like, you know, in, in terms of this person's drama. And, um, um, but, uh, I mean, the surplus reality is uh, you might have been very, very lonely or just very isolated as a kid. And um, in this drama, you've got a whole lot of people with you. You know, you some some sort of uh, you know. And sometimes um, we we talk about it. Look, let's get your psychodramatic father here, or your psychodramatic mother, the mother you never had, the mother that you always wished you had. You know, so you get somebody out there, and they're a mother who is a really good mother, and she's got a lot of abilities, and she's really there. You know, so that this sort of what we call that is sort of social atom repair. There's a repair of the um, original system or the family of origin. So, um, and the great thing about that is, that, you know, like uh, with dramas, you can um, you can go to the future or you can go to the past. So you might want to talk to yourself, um, you might want to talk to yourself on your deathbed. So suddenly we've got wow. here I am here and there I am on my deathbed and um, what do you want to say to yourself? right now well sometimes people say well look i want to go to hell okay let's create hell let's create hell on the stage or let we get the gods out there so they get the gods out usually the first god they get out is a fire brimstone nasty piece of work and then eventually eventually they get out a number of gods so in the psychodramatic stage when marino built it you could go up the stairs and go out there and play the gods Oh. You know, you could be the gods and speak, speak, speak to the people. So, using drama of all types, uh, it's just such a very, very interesting sort of method, and it means that the um, the director of the drama plays a range of roles, not just an empathic listener, which I think is a very important role, but there's many, many roles that are. Um, Required. So I'll give you an example. Um, I remember uh, just I'll you imagine um, this boy and he's um, he's uh, sixteen and he's in, in his room and he just uh, spends a lot of time in his room and um, and then you reverse him into the role of the father and the father's just come home from work and um, he's just gone and played a, ra- a round of golf. And I and you interview the father and you say, how come you're not chatting to your son? Oh, well, my son's very negative to me. And um, the director says to the father, well, so what? He's no different from any other 16-year-old in Victoria. <laughs> They're all negative to their dad. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, well, how come you don't just keep on being a dad with him? How come you can't, you don't keep on uh, rep- approaching him? Keep on approaching. Oh, well, he's not approaching me. Oh, yeah, but you're the adult, man. <laughs> so, so, you know, sort of talking to the dad, getting connected with the dad, 
and clearly in that family system, the father's not involved with the family very much. He goes and plays golf. He works and he uh, goes and plays golf, but he's not involved. And, mm -hmm. you know, the investigation is what's he, what's he like? What's he like with his wife? You know, how's he doing with his wife? And what about the other kids in the family? So suddenly you get to sort of get a sense of, well, what's going on in this family? And why is this kid so isolated? Mm. You see? So, um, so uh, very, very quickly there's some sort of uh, – um, so the boy can then talk to his father, have a, have a chat to his father, or the father can have a chat to him. So, I mean, the fact with that father is the father is incredibly self-engrossed and he's got no ability to, at that moment, to re reverse roles with his son. So that ability to take my eyes out and put them into your sockets and you take yours out and put them into mine and I see the world from your view and then you see the world from my view but the father's inability to reverse roles with his son. He was just thinking, oh, well, he's negative to me. So he's not taking any, any account that, um, hey, he's isolated. My son's isolated. He's in his room all the time. How come I'm not saying to him, come on, it's dinner time now. You've got to come and sit at the dinner table with the rest of the family. <laughs> All right, <laughs> says no. the adolescent boy. So suddenly, and this capacity to roll reverse is is something built into the the um, the method, you know, that someone's an audience member, then they have to go and play the role of another, and then they've got to come back and be themselves as a audience member so they get practiced being able to roll reverse be in the other shoes and then be in my shoes so yeah. um anyway i hope that hope that answers your question yes 100 richard and i i love that idea of being able to take different perspectives sometimes as you describe it in this kind of a psychodramatic uh, session where you take our perspectives of you know, different situations of different people's lives and you get used to looking at things a different perspective yes. and play a role, uh, I guess, another role that is, you know, might not be your role or is related to you, but you still get to look at things in a more, in, in a different light. But it also speaks to what you, you, you said earlier, to the spontaneity and developing this ability to, to you know, be more spontaneous, be more you know, exploring things again, uh, which I think a lot of us lose through traumatic experience. Like we lose that ability, and now is an opportunity to go out and be the person who can try things, who uh, can you know has more confidence in maybe their own abilities or or seeing things. Uh, in, in, in a perspective that is hopefully more empowering. And being as a group there then makes it also a communal experience, right? Which is, we talked about isolation earlier. So I want to I, I talk to you now about this, this kind of communal experience and the role of community in psychodramatic context, but also in life. Like, I'm a huge believer, Richard, that you know, we need to be around people who are supportive, that maybe people who have similar or related experiences 
through friends, and being in this context, um, how important is that to to live a happy and more fulfilled life and, and, and kind of move towards healing? Well, I don't think you do it on your own. I think the forces, the forces, um, well, the negative forces are too too strong. So we do need to have a community of people that uh, that um, that we get on with, that uh, um, that are part of our world, um, that helps us live our life. And so you know, you, you might have some very close friends, and then you have people who are not so close, and then others that are not so close. It's sort of like a bit of a scattergram. But we've got to get people in our lives to um, help us help us live our lives. So, for example, um, that idea of experimentation, that idea of um, really the what we're doing is with from a psychodramatic perspective is um, dealing with the roadblocks to warming up to spontaneity. So. If you warm up to the roles, you'll do the task well. So we're intervening to assist you to be able to warm up. So eventually you'll hopefully get to what Eric Byrne calls is a conflict-free um, ego sphere. And it means that you, there's no conflict in that sphere. And that's, that's probably the world of um, the playground the world of you having all your friends around and you have a party, <laughs> the world of those people really get you and care about you. And so the interventions we're doing is not to think, oh, look, you've got a problem and we'll diagnose you, which is the way the world's going and everyone's got problems and pop a pill, is to train people in spontaneity, train people in playfulness, which is what the method does. So, as a group goes on, eventually, with the right interventions with the group and as the group deals with all the different issues that will come up, but they'll start getting to like each other. They'll start getting connected with each other. And uh, people, as there's more connection and building the sociometry of the group or the connections with everybody in the group, people then will then self-disclose more and more. And the groups, and as the sociometry builds, um, people tolerate difference. They tolerate someone who has a different opinion to them. But in other words, with with the group, the group can end up in a in a in a in a sort of a world where there's love. There's a possibility that that actually you think this, I don't think that. I care about you anyway. But, you know, that's a lot of work to get to that point. So, you know, after maybe 15, 15 hours or so of a group being together or week after week after week or an intensive weekend, the group gets to that point and um, everybody's included. No one's left out. No one's left out because they're, you know, they're too tall or whatever the reason is. And everybody's included. So, um, but uh, that idea of working out what, what what is your social atom, um, you know, who have you got in your life? 
and who else do you need? So with a counsellor, just not just thinking of a group, but the counsellor joins the, the um, client's social atom for a period so that they, so, and they're in their social atom and hopefully the person builds up um, companionship with a whole lot of other people. And so then they're, they're, there's a community. There's a community of people in which you can, look, I, I don't feel so good today. Look, I might, I might go and have a chat to Joe. Hi, Joe, what are you up to? Can I have a chat to you? You know, so that, that sort of idea. Um, but it but it is related to spontaneity and creativity theory and not psychopathology. That's a big yes. difference. Yes, I love uh, um I love that, Richard. So we are we're we're not the focus is not on so much on what happened, but the the focus is more forward looking and the now and how do we feel and you know I love how you said that you know no one is left out that the, no. the idea is that you start to feel that in life you are included you are part of something and that part of something is what helps you to express yourself helps you to feel connected and helps you step into roles um, that you really want to be in, which is, I think, what you meant by when you were talking about progressive roles, right? Well, progressive roles, progressive roles are the roles that are sort of part of us, which Marino would call them um, psychodramatic roles. So you have the social role system, you know, like, say, living in Melbourne and the social roles, or, um, or if you're in Japan, the social roles are part of that system. But the psychodramatic roles are a little bit like what Jung called the archetypal roles. Okay. They're sort of like the foundation roles. Like, for example, you know, fun-loving player of life, you know, um, you know, that role sometimes is just sort of foundation in a person. Or a visionary, you know, that you you've got a vision. And um, um and because anyone who comes to counseling, they're all angry with themselves. You know, like uh, and even on the stage, you quickly get get them out there, here they are, and then you, you get out uh, them who's angry with themselves, and then they start expressing themselves to each other. Wow. And and uh, so that that's been my experience with most people. So that critical judge certainly as a role has to be reduced, you know, and that's a really easy thing for you to think, oh, look, I've got a judge here. Then it turns out, oh, who is that? So who is, you know, get the judge out there. Who are you? And then eventually they say, oh, it's my dad. <laughs> right. So, so what's happened is they've, it's the introjected role. So they've got the introjected roles of everybody that's been in the original family system. So it's the introjected father or the introjected mother. And so what you're doing is you're working it out on the stage um, or you're working it out with the counsellor so that... Uh, um, you could sort of warm up to a wider range of roles and the principle would be that as the progressive roles develop, the dysfunctional roles will diminish and there'll be the healing of that. So um, anyway, I reckon that's got legs. I think that's just really a fantastic thing. And of course, the trouble with us as you know, people, when we start becoming adults, we stop being playful. 
you know, we're, we're not playful or we're not, um, we're not uh, sort of uh, everything's very, very serious. And, and, um, and of course, what happens with trauma is that when someone's been traumatised, it takes the, the, say, the young person out of that developmental um, sort of the developmental area that they're meant to develop in. And I remember this kid that, remember this young woman I was dealing with and um, we were doing a drama and uh, um, we got her parents out there and um, we got them to start talking to each other and there was huge conflict between them. And um, once we got that enacted, and as it was being acted, I got her to be her 15-year-old self. And what did she do? She put some um, headphones on and started listening to music, which is how <laughs> she started allowing herself to be an to listen again. That she did, as mum and dad started talking to each other, she could actually just be, be a kid and be an adolescent, be an obnoxious little adolescent who wants to stay in a room all the time. And suddenly there's there's sort of uh, social anim repair that she stops being um, the um, um, parentified child in this system and can be an adolescent and she can move forward and eventually become who she's meant to really become, you know, herself or as some literature calls the authentic self. And here we are, Richard, back at that authentic self and rediscovering your authentic self through this process of healing from trauma where things like counseling and psychodrama can be so powerful. Um, Richard, if someone wanted to find out more about you know, working with you or about psychodrama, what would they do? Oh, well, they could... Um... They could, um, I mean, they could get in touch with me. They could um, and um, make an inquiry. But there's um, there's the um, Australian New Zealand Psychodrama Association, and that's quite interesting because you can get on and have a look at some of the videos there of um, uh, different people who use the method. You can listen to those folk, and there's quite a lot of uh, videos of some of the people who have been founding people in doing psychodrama but uh the other thing too is um you you could always look um if you're looking for someone and you've seen that they've they've done psychodrama in their training well that gives you a bit of a sense of um um that they that they know about this method i mean the method is very very powerful and um we don't put the method into um incompetent hands <laughs> Because it's because it's so liberating, but it's also very powerful. It's a very powerful method, and you know, changed my life really. Some of the you know the dramas I did, and and I mean, but anyway, uh, you know, um, people can get in touch with me, and I can send them off to some other people that are that that do that, do um, you know, um, do psychodrama, or they even in their one-to-one practice, I'm thinking psychodramatically all the time. I'm thinking role theory all the time. You know, sort of what are the roles? What's the personality structure of this role system? 
and how, how's it going to sort of, um, how are we going to move forward so that they can eventually become their authentic self? That's beautiful, Richard. Thank you for sharing um, your authentic self today and thank you for what you do in the world, Richard. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Nice to talk to you. Thank you for being here, my friend. I want to deeply honor your life, your story, and where you are today. And it's my hope that this show, it, it serves you in some way, because I believe that we are all just capable of so much more than we think sometimes. And, and, and this incredible potential of what we are capable of and leading a life that you're proud of, that you're excited by, what I tell myself, so tell my loved ones. That's what I'm here, just sharing this, this with you, right? And I have this vision. I have this vision for bringing together survivors. Survivors of trauma, of difficult experience, of difficult circumstance. Whether that's going through sexual abuse, domestic violence, living with illness, going through war. Bring together people who've been through it or are living through difficult times, their loved ones, so we can come together to give, give our best in our lives, in, in, in with our loved ones, in our communities, in our work, to grow, to grow towards our dreams, towards our hopes, towards our desires, and to heal, to heal from difficulties and struggle, and making sense of what's right for you today. That's why I'm here. That's why I wrote my book, Finding Hope in Times of Uncertainty, a guide to thriving in a challenging world of today. And if this vision, just if it speaks to you in some way, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you if you could email me at joe at powertobehappy.com. That's J-O-E at powertobehappy.com. Whatever you want to say, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Please let me know what you think. And thank you again so much for being here today. I'll speak to you next time.